There is a study from the 1970s that might make you question your faith in humanity. Researchers John Darley and Daniel Batson wanted to see how compassionate people would act if they were short on time. In the study, a group of seminar students were tasked with presenting the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Bible story about a stranger who stopped to help a robbed and beaten traveller lying helpless on the side of the road. But here's the catch. Before the students headed off to give their seminar, some were told that they were late and they didn't have a lot of time. The rest received no such information. In the hallway, on the way to give their presentations, each of them encountered a man, hunched over, coughing and asking for help. He was clearly in need of help. The researchers tracked which of the seminar students gave up some of their time to stop and help the man. Now, there's no video recording of this 1970s study, but other researchers have repeated a similar study on a busy London street, paying an actor to lie on the floor and ask for help, just like the actor in Batson's study. Here's what it sounded like. Help! Help! Uh, Help me! Please, somebody! Help me! Help me, somebody! Please help me! Help me. Help me. Help me. Please, somebody help me. Please, somebody help me. Despite hearing these cries for help, dozens of people walked past and no one helped. And a similar thing happened in Batson's and Dali's study. Despite these students literally about to give a presentation on the importance of helping strangers, most of them didn't stop to help. What's worse, those that were told they had limited time were four times less likely to help. When we're short on time, we don't help people, whether we're rushing to work in London or heading off to give a lecture on the Good Samaritan. Which begs the question, if I had more free time, would I be a better person? Would I be nicer to people? Would I ultimately be happier? I've thought this would be the case for years. I thought the key to happiness was free time. But researchers suggest that that might not be the case. Find out why on today's episode of Nudge. But first, here's another podcast I'd recommend. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Today we are looking into the psychology behind happiness, and we're going to look at if too much free time can make us unhappy. To help answer this question, I've invited one of the world's leading experts on happiness onto the show. It is Professor Cassie Holmes. I am Cassie Holmes, and I'm a professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Management, and I teach a course on happiness to our MBAs and our executive MBAs called Applying the Science of Happiness to Life Design, and from 
the research that I've done on the topic of time and happiness, as well as the course, I have written the book Happier Hour so that everyone, not just my MBA students who get a seat in my classroom, can apply these empirical findings to figure out how to invest the hours of their days to live a more meaningful, satisfying, fulfilling life. Cassie knows all too well how being time poor erodes our compassion. Inspired by Dali and Batson's study, which I shared at the start, Cassie conducted her own study on time-poor decision-making. For half of her study participants, she conjured the feeling of time scarcity by instructing them to write about a day where they felt extremely busy and rushed. She instructed the other half to write about a day when they had loads of spare time. A little later, she asked everyone whether they would be willing to stay an extra 15 minutes to help a needy high school student by editing his college application essay. Compared to those who recalled having loads of time, those who had been reminded about being rushed were significantly less likely to give up their time. The research is pretty foolproof. If you're in a rush, you're just not as nice a person. You make worse decisions. And that feeling of time poverty um, is really negative and it has really negative effects on our lives. Um, it makes us less healthy. We're less likely to exercise. It makes us less nice. We're less likely to help others out and slow down and help them. It makes us less confident in being able to achieve our goals. And it makes us less happy because with heightened feelings of stress and feeling overwhelmed, um, and that we can't uh, accomplish what we set out to do, that's a really dissatisfying state. And in that state, which I have absolutely um, experienced as uh, someone who is working full-time in a career that is demanding, um, having a family, uh, wanting to be a good friend, wanting <laughs> to be a good partner, the never-ending pile of chores, um, it's absolutely in those sort of moments and those harried and hectic days, the daydream of like, oh, maybe I quit, you know, maybe I quit my job and move to a sunny island somewhere. And with the idea that if only I had a lot more time, then I'd be happier. I had the same feeling. I knew how time poverty worsened my decisions, turning me into a worse version of myself. So I too was fascinated about gaining unlimited free time. That's until I read about Cassie's research. But we tested this and with Hal Hirschfield and Marissa Sharif, we looked at what is the relationship between the amount of discretionary time people have and their happiness, their satisfaction in life. And we conducted a bunch of studies. In one of the studies, we analyzed data from the American Time Use Survey, which looks at for tens of thousands of working as well as non-working Americans, how they spent a regular day. And from that, we could calculate the amount of time they spent that day on discretionary activities. So this includes things like passive leisure, like, quote unquote, doing nothing, watching TV, relaxing, resting watching a movie, active leisure as well. So playing sports, going to watch sports, maybe going out to a movie, um, as well as socializing. So spending time with family and friends. And we calculated the amount of time each individual spent on these discretionary activities. And that by that, I really do mean activities that we want to do 
in uh, contrast to those activities that are obligatory, non-discretionary, that we have to do. And what we found was really interesting. Across our studies, we found this consistent effect where the relationship between the amount of discretionary time people have and their happiness is an inverted U-shape. So that means it's sort of like an arc or a rainbow, which means it goes down on both sides of the spectrum. So that means that, yes, having less than approximately two hours of discretionary time in the day, folks were less happy. But the surprising part is that, yes, there is such thing as having too much time because we found that among folks who had more than approximately, again, in this data set, more than five hours of discretionary time in the day, we're also less happy. And that's really surprising because in that daydream that I have, and I think so many have, of like <laughs> living on the desert island, where you would have like all the hours of the day to do exactly what you want. What we find is that that actually makes people less happy. And the reason is interesting. Um, it Our studies suggest and our analyses suggest that when we have all the hours of our days that we're spending with nothing to show for how we spent those hours, it undermines our sense of purpose. And with that, we feel dissatisfied. Quick recap. This study looked at tens of thousands of Americans who had written detailed descriptions of what they did with their time and were questioned on their happiness. Those who had less than three hours of free time in their day were less happy. So less than two hours of free time in their day. That means the majority of your waking hours is spent doing tasks which you wouldn't count as leisure activities. But here's the thing. Those with more than five hours of free time, those with six hours, seven hours, eight hours, they were also less happy. This fantasy of quitting your job, moving to the beach, retiring early and living happily ever after, well, it is a fantasy. It's unlikely to come true because too much free time, it appears, harms happiness. Why is this? Well, Cassie looked into it. In a follow-up experiment, Cassie analysed why these people with loads of free time felt unhappy. And the main reason was lacking a sense of productivity. This is why people with excessive amount of available time felt less satisfied in their lives. They craved that feeling of productivity, a goal to give their life a purpose. You've probably experienced this yourself as a, as a kid feeling restless towards the end of a long summer holiday. We have an aversion to feeling idle and we are orientated towards being productive. There is value in being somewhat busy because it gives us a sense of purpose in our daily lives. But... All of this doesn't mean we should work ourselves to the bone to fill all our free time with paid employment. That's not Cassie's point. And I will also do, and I think it's appropriate to point out, that it's not just work or paid work as a source of spending time as a way of giving purpose. There's absolutely, and our data even supports, that there is actually even some discretionary time that does fulfill a sense of purpose and does feel more worthwhile and for instance, like engaging in a hobby that allows you to sort of develop yourself personally, um, socializing, really connecting um, with the people in your life. And when people spend a lot of discretionary time on those activities, those worthwhile activities, you actually didn't see this dip. Now, you also didn't see that more and more time is needed for greater happiness but you didn't see such thing as too much time. And so I think this is really 
important for all of us in those like harried, hectic days is first of all, don't quit. <laughs> like after day three of your like vacation existence, you will probably lack a sense of purpose and feel dissatisfied. Um, but it also suggests that if you are in a in a sort of situation or a set of circumstances where you do have a lot of time available to you to spend how you want, um, to make sure that some of it is spent in a way that feels productive, quote unquote, worthwhile. As Cassie says, filling your free time with worthwhile activities that provide a sense of purpose will, of course, bring happiness. And I wasn't surprised to hear her mention socialising as a key activity behind happiness. Nobel Prize winning behavioural economist Daniel Kahneman found just this in his studies. He and his team were among the first to track the experienced emotional cadence of a person's day in a famous study that they conducted amongst approximately 900 working women. Their results generated a list of 16 activities that, aside from, I don't know, present-day social media use and some of the other things we do today, it really accurately represented daily life among the average person and, and looked at how enjoyable these average 16 activities were. So, what were the most enjoyable activities people did? Well, the ones that attended to elicit the most positive emotions was socially connecting with other people. The data clearly showed that on average people feel happiest when they are socialising with families or friends or being physically intimate with somebody. And this finding was backed up by more recent time-tracking research conducted among a larger and more broadly representative sample. So if you're spending free time connecting with your family, you'll feel great. For most people, a holiday spent catching up with a friend will feel much better than a week spent in front of the TV. Spending your free time with others, and specifically spending it helping others, can provide lots of interesting benefits. See, those students I mentioned at the start who felt in a rush so didn't help the person crying out, they were making a mistake because helping that person would actually make them feel like they had more free time. Find out why after this quick 60-second break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. So back to the show and on to probably my favourite finding of the day. Helping others doesn't just feel good, it makes us feel like we have more time. Here's why. Yeah, and it's counterintuitive because when we feel like we don't have time, one of the things that we skimp on 
is slowing down to help others out. Yet, (laughs) we found in our studies, um, and this was with Zoe Chance and Mike Norton, that when people spend time to help others, it actually makes them feel like they have more time. If you're wondering why, I can explain this. Because what the sense of time poverty is, is the feeling of not having enough time to achieve what you set out to do. And so it's a subjective feeling. And at the sort of core of it is that lacking confidence that you can achieve what you set out to do with the resources that you have, in this case, time. And what we found was that when you spend time to help another out, it increases your sense of self-efficacy. People are like, oh my gosh, I accomplished a lot with that time. And what by realizing how much you did accomplish with um, just a little bit of time, it makes you realize how much you can accomplish with your time more generally, thereby increasing your sense of time affluence. In one of I, I in one of the studies, for instance, this was conducted among adults on a Saturday. We randomly assigned um, half of them to spend 30 minutes that day doing something uh, for someone else that they weren't already planning to do. We told the other half of participants, we instructed them to spend 30 minutes that day doing something for themselves that they weren't already planning to do. And then at 10 o'clock that night, we reconnected with them and we asked, how did you spend that time? As well as how much time do you feel like you have? So just to remind you, Cassie has conducted a study with over 100 people. She told half of them on one Saturday night to spend 30 minutes doing something they weren't planning to do for somebody else. She told the other half to spend 30 minutes doing something they weren't planning to do for yourself. So some people were doing something for somebody else, some people were doing something for themselves. Here's what happened. And what we found was that those who had spent the 30 minutes on someone else and the things that they did, it like made me so happy that in this study, we were sending people out to do these like lovely things, like some for people they didn't know, sort of strangers, um, someone went and picked up litter in the nearby park. Um, One person said that they took the time to write their grandmother a letter. Another said that they helped their neighbor shovel snow off their porch Um, made a nice dinner for their partner. Um, And the things that people did for themselves were also really lovely. It was sort of like pampering of, you know, relaxing, reading a novel, watching TV, maybe going for a run. And what we found was irrespective of the particular way that they gave time or that they spent the time on themselves, that those who spend time on another felt like they had more time in general. And this was because they felt like they accomplished a lot with that 30 minutes and that increased their self-efficacy. And with that increased self-efficacy, that uh, translated uh, into feeling like they had more time more generally. They found that people who had given away their time reported feeling like they had more time than those who had kept their time irrespective of the number of minutes actually spent on the tasks. This is fascinating, right? Those students from the Good Samaritan study, they are making a real mistake. Not giving their time to help others will paradoxically make them feel like they are more rushed. 
In a follow-up study, Cassie tested the benefit of giving time against an even stricter standard, receiving an unexpected windfall of free time in this case. So, at the end of a one-hour lecture, students were told to stay and do an additional task. Some participants were given 15 minutes to help a high school student edit their application essay. The others were allowed to leave the session early and thereby receive a bonus 15 minutes in their day. But again, Cassie's findings held true. Those who had spent the time helping the students, so didn't get any extra time, subsequently reported feeling like they had more spare time than those who actually had been given 15 minutes extra. This is pretty cool, right? It shows that, yes, having too much free time won't make us happy, especially if we spend that on an activity with no purpose. So you should spend a bit of your time helping someone out, because that will make you happier, and it will make you feel like you have more free time in your day. Here's the problem, though. Most of us don't intuitively do this. We naturally spend most of our waking hours on ourselves, and we spend the majority of our time making money for ourselves. People tend to focus on money as the sort of critical resource for happiness, and you can understand why. I think there's some cultural um, antecedents there, but also money is really concrete, (laughs) In my work um, and my team's work, we found that folks who focus on time rather than money as their most critical resource are, in fact, happier and more satisfied. And this is irrespective of the amount of money that they have available um, and even irrespective of the amount of time um, that they have available. And so in some of this work, for instance, we ask the simple question, which do you want more of? Do you want more time or more money? And what was interesting is that people's answer to that question was significantly related to their satisfaction in life um, and their happiness in their days. And that held irrespective of the amount of each resource they had available to them. And what we found is that people who said that they would prefer to have more time than more money we're significantly happier. So yes, I've spent most of this episode ranting about how unlimited free time won't make you happy. But that doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean you should work yourself to the bone and fully focus on accumulating wealth. No, those that focus on actually gaining free time in their lives are happier than those who focus on gaining more money. Here's why. Well, the things that they're thinking about is like how they're going to invest it and are often thinking about the investments of time that contribute to well-being, that is cultivating those important relationships, investing in experiences um, compared to material goods. And um, lots of research shows that experiential purchases like a vacation, like going to a restaurant, um, lead to greater and greater lasting happiness than material goods. And it's not just correlational, um, because I've also done work where I draw people's attention to time or money in these sort of surreptitious ways, (laughs) where I have them do a sort of sentence scramble task where they're exposed to time-related words or money-related words. And then I ask how they plan to spend their time. In one study, I actually examined how they spent their time. And what I've found was that when people are led to think about time 
they spend their time in ways that are tied to greater happiness, as in they spend more socially, they spend in line with their values, they're less likely to cheat, for instance, and they actually spend less time working. Um, except among those, actually, I found that among um, uh, workers who find a great deal of fulfillment and satisfaction in their work, thinking about time motivated them to work more. So it's really not the specific activity. It's really spending in ways that are more closely tied to what does bring greater satisfaction and fulfillment. When we are thinking about time, we spend more intentionally. And when we spend this resource more intentionally, we um, enjoy greater happiness because we're both maximizing the amount of time we spend on activities that are fulfilling. But even when we're spending on those activities, we are more engaged. We are less distracted. And through that present focus, and this is not sort of the now versus later, but being engaged in the activity that you're um, spending your time on, um, that, that that leads to greater happiness. Now look, this won't be the case for every single one of us. There will be outliers listening for whom this won't hold true. Some of you will be happier working longer hours for a paycheck. And like Cassie says, if that's genuinely fulfilling, then you'd definitely be happier doing that. But for most of us, for the average human brain, we are wired to get fulfilment from time over money. So. If you can, don't orientate your life around a paycheck. Focus more on what you'll do with your free time. But don't remove purpose from your life. Don't quit your job to sit on the sofa because unlimited free time won't make you happier either. Instead, try to do things with others and hopefully helping others especially because that that won't only make you happier, it'll actually make you feel like you have more free time. The human brain is pretty weird. It doesn't always act in ways we might expect. So when you're planning what to do with your weekend, try not to opt for the easy choice of a takeaway in front of the telly. Perhaps try to help out a mate instead. All right, folks, that is it for today. I I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry if it sounded a little preachy. As I'm recording it, I think it might have. I just think that Cassie's research is really enlightening and I really wanted to share it with everyone listening. I've spent most of my life genuinely thinking that unlimited free time is a good thing. So it was great for me to be challenged on that. I also think I've underestimated how important helping others is. I've been reading about research on happiness for a while and volunteering and helping others just seems to be a bit of a silver bullet. It will make you happier. Doing a little bit of volunteering seriously boosts happiness. So I'm going to try and take that to heart and spend less of my free time watching YouTube and more of it helping others. Anyway, if you like today's show, you will absolutely love Cassie's book, Happier Hour. It is a cracker. It's easy to read, yet incredibly enlightening. If you want tips on how to live a happier life, then go and check that book out. And you should also subscribe to my newsletter because in a few weeks or perhaps a month, I'm going to share another episode with Cassie where we break down the top tips for living a happier life. So if you're on my newsletter, you will get first access to that show. So head to nudgepodcast.com and click newsletter in the menu to sign up. That is all for this week. As always, you can find me on social media. I'm Phil Agnew. That's Phil A-G-N-E-W. It's P underscore Agnew on Twitter. So send me a tweet or send me a message on LinkedIn. It'd be fantastic to hear from you. Okay, that's all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nudge.